I realized recently that I hadn't really shared my early days stories of my 20s and kind of how my drinking foundationally got started. So I want to do that today. And I'm just curious if you can relate or if there's someone in your life that might would benefit from hearing this as well. Hey sister, do you feel stuck? Do you feel like you're living each day over and over on a loop? Maybe you feel like a failure because you keep telling yourself that today will be different. You wake up each morning hoping to do better, but when the afternoon rolls around, all your promises to yourself are shot. And society screams, you deserve to have that drink, eat that piece of cake, and scroll mindlessly through social media. Hi, I'm Michelle Porterfield, certified mindset and breakthrough coach, mom of three, former daily wine drinker, excuse maker, and promise breaker. Coffee's my jam, dry shampoo is my BFF, and I am so glad you're here. I have created this community to help you walk in faith towards freedom from alcohol and other strongholds like it. Together, we will work to show you your value, your strength, and your ability to overcome. So pop in your earbuds and go for a walk, or buckle up for your commute. Girl, get ready for straight talk and the truth, because it's time to elevate your mindset, develop healthy routines, and begin to thrive alcohol-free. Hey ladies, I wanted to share this part of my story because as I was looking back, I felt like it was super relevant to kind of how the process of drinking later in life gets started, kind of how things are happening now and what it must be like to be in your 20s now. So I'm 45, we're in 2020, and I just can't imagine what it must be like to be in college, in your 20s, even these last few years, the next few years, just the pressures and the pace and the extreme marketing that happens that's going on. It's just, it's just so interesting to me. So I wanted to go back, just back in time a little bit, because when I look at my life, it wasn't like I drank in my teens, I kept drinking, and then I drank through my 20s and 30s and 40s. Like, But this season, I will say, is a huge root of where this culture, where this conditioning was rooted in my personal life. So I worked in the advertising world in South Carolina. And I was in what they call the traffic department, which is the department that does all the running around, as you can imagine, connecting between copywriters, artistic directors. We dealt with getting projects to the clients. It was a really good, um, it was a great experience. This was before hair, before everything, before marriage, all the things. I did meet my husband later when I was about 25. But um, so the part of the story is before him and during, okay? So I worked in advertising. Um, it was just sort of normal too at that time that the creatives would typically, we would go to lunch. And especially if there was like a birthday or um, a kind of a special occasion, it was very normal for people to drink at lunch. The guys would have a beer, the girls would have a wine and things like that. And I remember that like at that time, literally you went to lunch and then you went back to work and I had a glass of wine or uh, some sort of cocktail or something. And sometimes I wouldn't, no big deal. 
But I remember when it kind of just became a thing. Like I remember this season because I really wanted to be in a wine club. I thought that just sounds so glamorous. This is a great way. I love getting together with girlfriends. I love socializing. In that season of my life, I was not reading. Didn't care anything about personal development like I do now. I wasn't reading just because I wanted to read. So what better way to get together but to bring fancy food and have a wine club? So a girlfriend and I kind of started this wine club. And what we would do was once a month, we would host it at different houses. So we all had, you know, at this point, most of us were single. We had our own place, things like that. And so I just remember like the first one, I believe it was in one of the girls' apartments. And I remember sitting there and I brought White Zinfandel. Let me just hear it. Go ahead and chuckle. White Zinfandel, right? Because why? I didn't have a clue. I didn't even know what in the world was going on. I just knew that this sounded super fancy and I wanted to learn how to like this. And that's the only kind that I had had that I was like, eh, it's tolerable, right? So got everyone got a to- total giggle out of that. And some of the girls had already had different types of wine or were a little bit more familiar. So we would, the whole layout would be, and I'm sure if you've ever been to wine club, it's probably similar to this. But it was everyone brought some wine. Typically, there was a theme, whether it was white or blush or red. Sometimes it would be like your favorite. Sometimes it would be based on what we were having to eat, what technically, quote unquote, pairs well with that food. And then we would have all kinds of yummy food. There would be cheese platters, olives, sometimes just types of um, baked, like, um, what is the the kind of cheese that you bake and it gets all crusty on top? Um, doing that, you could dip crackers and all these things. So it's like, I mean, I can just feel the like, oh, it's just so lovely, so lovely. And I would do this today, just minus the wine, because it does sound lovely. And just the whole social atmosphere and spending time with girls and talking and laughing, like, I love that. But for some reason, why not drink? Why not explore? So we would do that. And I remember in the beginning tasting these red wines and thinking, good grief, these are, these are horrible. And there's like, you know, but you want to like them. So you taste them all. And, you know, one's like, oh, bitter and rich. And then, oh, well, this is supposed to be oaky or you're supposed to taste berries. And then before you know it, whatever we had chosen to drink begins to what? It numbs things, right? It numbs the senses, so it numbs your taste a little bit. It numbs, like, whether you care if it's bad in your mind or... And then you get tipsy, and it's all well and good. Well, I'm sure the first couple of times, I cannot recollect exactly, but, you know, we tried some things, and we enjoyed it and moved on. But what I found was the more that we did this the more I was even exploring on my own, trying wines and different things. So I would look up uh, wine tastings and different things like that because I just really, really wanted to like it. There was just something about red wine. I saw it on the television, you know, like just the whole fancy, you know, now I can um, relate to 
back in the day when the show came on with Olivia Pope, right? She comes home after this hard day in Washington, D.C., and, you know, dealing with the president and all this stuff. And she has this big old glass, and she just sits down. And this she's, she is this strong, beautiful, confident woman. And that's what she drinks right before bed. So sexy. So... That's kind of how it was. You know, I just, I really just wanted to like it. And now when I look back, isn't it funny how I uh, basically forced myself to like this stuff? Would I ever do that with food? Would you ever just have a party of chicken livers? We're going to have chicken liver club, Okay. And we're going to try them until we like them. And we're going to talk about it. (laughs) You know, like how dumb is that? Or like, just say you don't like, I like, for example, I do not like tomatoes raw. I love salsa because they're cooked down and it's got spice. I love spaghetti sauce. But like a raw tomato, I just do not like. Now, did I try to like them? Sure. There were several times I would like try to hide them in a burrito or put them in something when I was younger. But after about two or three times, I thought, this is terrible. I just don't like it. So I stopped eating it. I stopped forcing myself to like it. But this was totally different. I desired so badly to like it. And I wanted to like all different kinds that I just drank all different kinds of reds. So, fast forward to these wine club nights. I remember lots of us getting super tipsy. But what else I do remember, too, was at this point, I was enjoying the wines. I was enjoying the foods. And at this point, me and one or two other girls, I just kind of remember, we just did not have a cutoff switch. We just didn't. We would start drinking And we would continue drinking until the wine was gone. It's just the way it happened. Typically, ideally, just like you would if you go to a tasting, right? Or if you go to a restaurant and there's like a flight, there's these little tastes. And then you drink them and then that's it. But because we all brought bottles, we felt inclined to continue drinking. And at this point, let's just fast forward to many, many wine clubs. We brought extra We were like, okay, we knew that if there was five or six of us, we needed extra bottles for the backup plan, that we were going to go through it. So that's what happened. So I just find it very interesting. I just want to bring the point up that I just, I, I was lured by the feel of the fanciness and the whole vibe, but yet I forced myself to like it because it just really didn't taste good. Now, I know what you're thinking, but I really like wine. It tastes good. Well, down the road, I did. And I have heard people communicate about, you know, well, it doesn't taste that good. And why do people drink anyway? And part of me started to buy into that a little bit. Now, personally, your stronger liquors and things like that, they, I mean, in my opinion, that's horrible, why in the world would you drink that? It tastes like pure alcohol that you put on a open wound. It burns your nose and your throat. But think about it. It's, it's it, ethanol, right? 
So they have to, and that's why all these cocktails are so full of sugar and mixers, because it's so awful and repulsive to most people that they have to go in and sugar it up and make these drinks so that you can tolerate it and you don't realize that it tastes so bad and then by the time you're a few drinks in you're you're numb right but I will say there were times there were some wines I truly did like the taste and I truly did enjoy it but it was still very much uh temporary very temporary you know, let's just say I had a few sips here and there. I went to the I went to the Chateau Alain several years. They had this huge wine tasting event. And you know, in the beginning it was great. There were several that I liked. And then it doesn't take long for that feeling to go away because at this point it is slowing down your senses and numbing your senses. It's doing the job it was designed to do. And then it doesn't matter. I just kept drinking anyway, and then the next thing you know, I'm too far gone, right? So that was part of the culture, and that was the part of the things that happened. Now, I will say, though, on into my 20s, even as I met my husband, I was still in a pretty heavy state of drinking. When I say heavy, I don't mean at that time. I really wasn't a daily drinker. You know, I lived alone. I was in my 20s. I was super social, but I worked every day. And that just wasn't something that at that season in my life, I didn't drink every night during the week. There wasn't that whole like um, wine with dinner or that kind of thing or having a cookout. Mine was mostly at that point what I would probably call binging on the weekends. We'd have, I'd have company over, I'd have girls over, we'd do cookouts or I would go out to the bars with the girlfriends, things like that. And it was always... If it was Friday or Saturday night, like I knew that was my window and this was like to quote unquote, have fun and party, cut loose, be wild, whatever it looked like. And there again, I had already, now looking back, I can see I just didn't have a turn off switch. I just didn't want to stop. I wanted to continue drinking because I liked it and it was fun. But then at this point, my decision making was crap. It was terrible. I made some really, really, really dumb decisions. So then as we, you know, even through dating, Michael and I went out and, you know, we would go out to dinner and have drinks and things like that. He didn't, he's never really had um, any desire to drink. You know, he's, he's, he's the one that's, you know, would have the occasional cider here and there, um, like a drink here and there. It was so, so rare. And honestly, he probably would just occasionally just because, you know, just maybe because I was, but he was always driving. So he never, um, he never did anything like that because he was always has been very smart and very wise when it comes to that. So this was during those seasons and it wasn't daily. So what I wanted to say was, and just kind of share with you, because this season lasted through the twenties and then I got, um, I wanted to have a daughter. So I got pregnant. And I had my first daughter at 29. So probably even 27, 28, I probably rarely drank because this was, you know, once I got married, once we were together, all that calmed down, okay? So I could go through seasons of my life where there would be these heavy times, um, you know, I knew there wasn't a cutoff switch, but then when there was different seasons where like when he came on board, you know, I'm around him 
he didn't drink. So, of course, when we were together, I didn't a whole lot. And then there would be times when we would have group parties with the advertising agency or group parties, and then I would. But then it just sort of slowly phased out, so to speak. Like, it just, the drinking phased out. And then we, you know, we got married. This was, you know, we wanted to start a family. And it just wasn't a thing. So it really went away. So that just shows you how I've got my teens where I experimented a little bit you know, finished, graduated high school, all that good stuff, dabbled again in my 20s, got a little, you know, mid-20s that was pretty uh, prominent in my lifestyle, and then it dwindled down. So the thing is, is that we can have that in our lives, right? And then so moving forward, and you've heard my story moving forward, so I, I would have had my first daughter at 29, I had my second daughter at 34. You know, it wasn't really until my maybe 36 like after her maybe late 30s is when it slowly infused its way back in so it's so interesting how like I could have just chosen not to drink anymore but culturally why would I want to do that why would you know I'm done having kids you know I was exposed again to the culture of it all. I was exposed again to, you know, friends who were having glasses of wine. Wine tasting came back in again. Uh, We look around at the decor in our stores, you know. That was very appealing. And, you know, little wine racks and, you know, the sales at the stores. And everything started again. Show me that wine was important. That wine was to be at the center of fun, happiness, being a woman, being a mom, being a working woman. It was just part of the story. So I'm going to stop there and I want you to just think, can you relate to any of this? Did you have seasons like this in your life? Can you go back and think, wow, yeah, I really had that heavy season in drinking in college maybe. And then you got out and had a career and then everything was smooth and you did fine. And and then you got to your 40s and, you know, you got a divorce or you had some sort of trauma or you just have a stressful job or wine is supposed to be at the center of the table because it's culture, right? Where are you in your life right now? Where are you? Where is your struggle? What areas would you like to work on? These are all things I want you to think about when you hear this. The reason why I'm sharing these stories is because I couldn't have said back then where I'm going to be today. Back then I thought, you know, this is this is the life. This is fun. This is what this is what life's all about. You know, there's nothing wrong with this being at the center of it. I didn't know where I would be today. And I, that has all been part of my story so that I'm here today. So if you're here and you're listening and you have been curious about the amount that you drink or you've been kind of questioning, you know, is this something I want to continue in my life? Or you've even got to the point where you have tried to stop and you faced, you know, resistance like I did in the beginning. I was like, whoa, why is this so hard for me? I'm here for you. I am open to talk to you. Message me anytime. You can reach out at coachmichelleporterfield at gmail.com. 
And you can message me right in the DMs over on Instagram at Coach Michelle Porterfield. See you next time. Stay blessed. Okay, girlfriend, before you go, if you found value in this podcast and it helped you, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. Every so often, I will read reviews and give shout outs. To dig deeper, join us at Set Free Sisterhood over on Facebook. I will pop the link in the show notes. And don't forget, if you know someone that would enjoy or benefit from this podcast, share it with them and take a screenshot and post it in your Instagram stories and tag me. It's time to take back our power, ladies, and be set free. Until next time, stay blessed. Michelle.